Well, good morning and happy new year. And again, welcome to Warden on this very first Sunday of 2022. Whether you're joining us in person or you're online, we're so glad you chose to be with us today. Well, this year has been challenging in so many ways. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited for this new year. Because a new year means a new beginning, a fresh start. And I found this poem that I think expresses that very well. So I'd like to begin with this. It's called, I'm a New Year. And it says, I am the new year. I am an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I'm your opportunity to practice what you have learned about life during the last 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant when you have fewer conflicting desires. All that you dreamed but didn't dare to do, all that you hoped but did not will, all the faith that you claimed but did not have. These slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. When I read that, I thought, oh, that's so good. And over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to be doing a series called Reset. Because I believe that you're never going to be successful in your spiritual journey until you learn to reset. There will be times in your life when your spiritual operating system is going to get all mixed up and you're just going to need the opportunity to press the reset button to get back on track. You know, the world has changed dramatically in the last year, and you've changed too. You've developed some new patterns, some new habits, but instead of resuming the way that you used to live, that you lived last year, God has given you an opportunity for a fresh start. I believe the beginning of a new year is a great time for a reset. The old things that dragged us back should go, and we can start anew. And the word reset is one that simply means to set again or restore, to start anew, to make a fresh start, to refresh something by making a new start or creating a new version. Perhaps you're most familiar with it in the technological area of life. If you own or use a computer or a smartphone or some kind of device like a tablet or an iPad, there are times when your operating system needs a reboot or a reset. So you go through the process of restarting it, and, and when you do, there's a refreshing that happens to your system. It's like there's something sort of magical that happens when you reset, and everything seems to work again. Again. To be honest with you, I'm not very technical, and there have been times in the past when I'm having trouble with my computer, and I've called my daughter Sarah and asked, what do I do? And she'll say, Mom, did you restart your computer? So now I don't even call her until I've done a reset, because I know that many times a reset will cure a lot of the problems. Now, the reset button is crucial. Every electronic device has one. And surprisingly, so does your spiritual life. You know, last year, some of you may have said, this year I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to spend more quality time with my family. And the list goes on and on. But the fact is, for many of us, we've made some mistakes. 
We made some bad decisions that hindered us from doing those things that we really wanted to do. We may feel like we failed in our goals, but don't despair. A popular author once wrote, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. So what do you think? Maybe it's time to assess whether a reset is required to get your spiritual life, your relationships, or your mental health back on track. Maybe it's time to admit that simply telling ourselves that everything is okay doesn't mean that everything is okay. The good news is God specializes in resetting. Throughout the scriptures, we see God resetting his people. We see it in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We see it with Noah and with Moses. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus are reset. Resetting is what God does best. And the good news is that resetting is always for our benefit and for his glory. And sometimes the opportunity for us to reset is just pure grace. You see, our struggle is that we always want to go back to the familiar instead of going into the unknown. But resets are not about going back to the normal comforts that we know. Instead, a reset puts things back to the way that they're supposed to be. And as followers of Jesus, we have to move in the direction that God is leading us and not move back to where we used to be. We have to learn to reset. You know, when I was a child, I used to play with a toy called an Etch-a-Sketch. Maybe some of you had one. An Etch-a-Sketch was this little red and gray drawing board, and I think it was filled with something like aluminum powder. And you twisted two knobs on the bottom of the screen to draw a picture. And if you messed up, all you had to do was shake the thing a couple of times, and you got a clean start, and you could start all over again. How many of you wish that life was like an etch-a-sketch? When you did something stupid or unwise or just plain embarrassing, all you had to do was shake and you could erase what you just did and you could have a do-over. You could have a restart. Well, life is not quite like that. There are consequences to the decisions that we've made in our past. But the good news is God says, I want to give you a fresh start. I want you to have a new beginning. I want to do something new in your life. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Um, It's also on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, But it says, the Lord says, forget what happened before. Do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I'm going to do. It's already happening. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in dry land. Listen to what God is saying here in this verse. Forget about what happened before. He says, you don't have to think about your past. It's over. The book is closed on it. We need to understand that God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. You know, some people think that God is stuck on their past, that he wants to remind them of the things that they've done wrong. But God is more interested in their future future than he is in your past. That's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. So he says, forget about your past. Forget about the former things. Don't think about it. Look at the new thing I'm going to do. Now let me give you a little bit of context to this verse. 
Israel, they were being punished for their sins and their rebellion against God. God wanted to give hope and encouragement to his people. He wanted them to know that even though they were being punished, even though they had forsaken God, God had not forsaken them. God wanted his people to understand that this punishment that they were experiencing was not the end of them. The fact is, God wanted to give them a fresh start. Now, the people of Israel, they were discouraged because they thought, well, this must be the end of them. They had done, they have gone so far, they had sinned and rebelled against God to the point that maybe he would no longer be their God. Maybe they thought that God would not deliver them again. They thought it was over. They could remember their past deliverances and their past victories. They could remember when they were trapped by the Red Sea and had nowhere to go, how God had made a way for them. They could remember when the enemy was about to overtake them, how he provided for them. They could remember the former things, but they couldn't see their future. And that's why God said, I'm going to do something new. Now, maybe that's where you are this morning. You feel that you've made so many mistakes. You failed God so many times, and you've sinned it all away, and now God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And you feel like maybe you don't have any future with God. The good news is God is saying, it's not over. I have plans for your life. I'm about to do something new for you. So this morning, I want to share with you how to make a fresh start, and it's called Reset. Regardless of what kind of failure you may have had in the past, you may have had a financial failure, or maybe it was a relational failure, or a failure in your marriage. You may have had a moral failure, or maybe last year you were just being complacent and, or overly anxious. You, but you may have really blown it. You may have made some decisions that you're so ashamed of that you hope no one ever finds out about it. Regardless of where you are at, regardless of the failure you've had in your life, here's how you start over. You reset. And the first step in reset is to refocus your priorities. The story is told of a prosperous young investment banker who was driving a new BMW sedan on a mountain road during a snowstorm. As he veered around one sharp turn, he lost control and began sliding off the road towards a steep cliff. At the last moment, he unbuckled his seatbelt, flung open the door, and leapt from the car, which then plummeted to the bottom of the ravine and burst into a ball of flames. Although he had escaped with his life, the man suffered a terrible injury. Somehow his arm had been caught in the edge of the door as he jumped, and it had been torn off at the shoulder. A passing trucker saw the accident in his rearview mirror. He pulled his rig to a halt and ran back to see if he could help. When he arrived at the scene, he found the banker standing at the roadside looking down at his BMW burning in the ravine below. Incredibly, the banker was oblivious to his injury and moaned, My BMW, my new BMW. The trucker pointed to the banker's shoulder and said, You've got bigger problems in your car Uh, We need to find your arm. Maybe the the surgeons can sew it back on. The banker looked at where his arm used to be, paused for a moment, and groaned, Oh no, my Rolex, my new Rolex. (laughs) He was clearly focused on the wrong things. And you know, it's so easy for us to become distracted and lose our focus and have our priorities all mixed up. 
And when our priorities are mixed up, we tend to focus on the wrong things. Or maybe it's the other way around. What we focus on the most will determine our priorities. Either way, the order of importance that we place on things in our lives is extremely important. Every choice we make, every activity we engage in, every expenditure of our energy and our money is based on our priorities. And having the wrong priorities in life is like buttoning up your coat wrong. If you get the first button wrong, all the others will line up to the misplaced one. But if you get the first one right, then all the others will line up according to the first one. So we need to make sure that we have our priorities in order. I'd like to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that I believe give us great advice on where our priorities need to be and how to fix our focus. The first is Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And also Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Bible tells us right here in plain and simple terms what we need to focus on and what needs to be first. Jesus taught that what matters the most and what's most valuable is seeking the kingdom of God and doing what he wants us to do. But how many of us, myself included, go about our lives allowing the, not following the instructions that God has given us? We take our eyes off of Jesus, we put it on other things, and we, we get our priorities all mixed up, and we end up frustrated and confused and stressed out. You know, when we get our priorities mixed up, it causes heartache, it causes frustration and pain in our own lives and in the lives of, of those that we're in relationship with. And it's very easy to focus on the wrong things. So how do we fix our focus and set our priorities straight? Well, let me explain it this way. When I was a child, I used to have difficulty seeing properly. Things would go out of focus. I had double vision. A lot of times I'd see two of a thing instead of one. So my mom took me to the eye doctor, and they discovered that I had really weak eye muscles. And I had to get glasses, and I also had to do exercises in order to fix my focus. And I remember coming home from school and my mom making me sit at the table and do my exercises. And I didn't like it one bit. I would complain that I wanted to watch TV or go play with my friends, but my mom made me do it. Now, after a while... My, my focus got better. It took time, it took discipline, it took getting my priorities straight to fix my focus issues. And to restart and reset our lives, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to discipline ourselves to refocus our priorities. So the first thing we need to do is focus and refocus our priorities. The second thing we need to do to reset is evaluate your life. Now, that means you need to take an inventory of your life's experiences and learn from them. Galatians 3, 4 says, You have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. And then the Living Bible puts it this way. You have suffered so much for the gospel. Now are you going to throw it all overboard? I can hardly believe it. You see, our experiences in life, they're important. 
And they can help shape us into who we are today. There are four kinds of experiences that shape our lives. First, it's our personal experiences. That's the family that you grew up in, the people that you relate to. Then there's your vocational and educational experiences. They also shape you. Your spiritual experiences shape you as well. Things like coming to church or going on a retreat or to a week of camp, reading your Bible, having a quiet time, worship. Those sort of things shape who you are. Painful experiences also shape you. We all have unique experiences in life, but one thing we do have in common is that those experiences have shaped us into who we are today. And as you think about your life experiences and take an inventory of your life, you need to ask yourself three very important questions. The first is, what have I learned? You know, I know people that are 50, even 70 years old, but they don't have 50 or 70 years of experience. They have the same year of experience over and over. They've never learned anything from their experiences. So you need to ask yourself, what have I learned from my past experiences? If you don't sit down and think it through, you'll end up repeating the same mistake over and over again because you don't learn from it, because you didn't learn from it the first time. You know, failure, it can be your friend or it can be your foe. You determine if failure is your friend or your foe by the way you react to it. You can choose to learn from it or you can choose to repeat it. If you learn from it, then it is your friend. However, if you don't learn from it, it's your foe. So the first question you need to ask yourself is, what have I learned from my experiences? The second is, what are my assets? What have I got going for me? Have I got my health? Have I got my freedom? Am I mentally sound? Have I got some friends? Have I got the Lord? Have I got a church family? What do I have that I can get a fresh start with? The next question we need to ask ourselves is, who can help me? You know, when you need a fresh start, you need somebody by, our, by your side, a friend, an accountability partner, a support person, or a support group. Find someone that can help you. You need other people because you don't start over by yourself. After a major setback or a crisis, you need somebody else to walk along with you. And if you feel alone this morning, like there's nobody around you that can help you, I want you to know that there is one that you can count on to help you get a fresh start. And that is the Lord Jesus. He will be there. He will help you to pull your life back together and make sure that you get started on the right foot. So let's recap. So far, we've talked about refocusing our priorities and evaluating our life. The next step in reset is to stop making excuses. If you want a fresh start in life, you have to stop making excuses. Some of us are like this cat that I found a picture of. Um, that's his New Year's resolution is either to lose weight or get a bigger basket. I think he seems pretty stuck. And we too can get stuck in our habits and our attitudes, making excuses why we can't change. Every one of us has used some excuses from time to time. I found this article that had the most ridiculous excuses for missing work. 
One employee said he couldn't come to work because he got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store and couldn't get out. <laughs> Another employee said he caught his uniform on fire by putting it in the microwave to dry. Another one said that he had to attend the funeral of his wife's cousin's pet because he was an uncle and a pallbearer. Another employee said he couldn't come to work because someone glued his doors and windows shut so they couldn't leave the house to get to work. But my favorite excuse that I read was there was this person who woke up in a good mood and said they didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> Those are just a few excuses people make. And people have been making excuses from the beginning of time. And we've become really good at it. But excuses keep us from moving forward and getting a fresh start. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistake can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. That verse says that the starting point to starting over is to be honest and face up to the problems. That most of the problems in my life, most of the failures are my fault. You know, it's so hard for us to admit when we're wrong. People don't like to admit I made a mistake or I blew it. But God says if we admit the mistake, if we admit our failures... And, and we say that we've done it ourselves, and we don't make excuses, we get another chance in life. Uh, I also have to stop making the excuse that it's someone else's fault. We need to stop blaming other people for our issues. Other people can hurt us, yes. Other people can scar us. But the only person that really can ruin your life is you. No one can ruin your life without your permission. You have a choice, and that is you can choose how you're going to respond to those hurts. The Bible says that the starting point is to just be honest and accept responsibility for your part of the problem. Another reason we sometimes fail in life is that we don't prepare ourselves for the problems that we're going to face. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, A sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them, but the fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. Life is difficult, no doubt about it. We need to expect that things will sometimes go wrong and be prepared. We need to stop making excuses. Let's make 2022 a no-excuses year. Well, the second E in reset stands for experience grace. And that's another thing we need to do if we're going to have a reset. Think about this. What's your favorite hymn of all time? Many people would answer by saying Amazing Grace. Now, Amazing Grace is probably the most famous hymn of all time. This is a hymn that has been sung in churches and venues all over the world. Artists like Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, Johnny Cash, and Leanne Rimes have made this song their own along the way. But the song was originally written in 1773 by former slave trader and seaman who had, was radically saved and later gave his life to the ministry, a man named John Newton. John was reflecting on his life, and he knew all that he had done in his past and all the reasons why he didn't deserve anything from God but God's judgment. But as he reflected on all the grace that had been given to him, he pinned the words that have become famous. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Towards the end of his life, when he hardly had any life left and any voice left, in one of his last messages that he preached, he's known to have screamed out this phrase. I believe we have it on the screen. My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I, have, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. Those words are not specifically spoken in Scripture, but I believe they capture pretty well the summary of the issue of grace. Now, the Bible has so much to say about grace. It's a word that's found more than 150 times in the New Testament. What a magnificent word it is. What a glorious subject it is. The more you learn about grace, the more you will agree with John Newton that grace is indeed amazing. Now, a correct understanding of God's grace is at the center of our faith. It's absolutely foundational. A clear and accurate understanding of grace will produce a strong and resilient, joyful and Christian, while an uncertain or a false understanding of God's grace will tend to produce a weak or fearful or even a resentful Christian. What you believe about grace is so important. And we use the word grace all the time. But what does it actually mean? Well, the short answer is that grace means unmerited favor. Years ago, I learned an acrostic for the words, uh, for the letters in the word grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. The Oxford Companion to the Bible says, Grace names the undeserved gift that creates relationships and the sustaining, responding, forbearing attitude plus action that nurtures relationships. In other words, grace makes our relationship with God and other people possible. There's all sorts of definitions out there that you could seek to describe grace. But I'd say that grace is one of those things in life you just can't explain fully. You have to experience it in order to understand it. It's like trying to describe romantic love or what an enchilada with spicy Diablo sauce is like from your favorite Mexican restaurant. You can use words to describe it, but you can't really understand it unless you experience it for yourself. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when we miss grace, things become toxic in our lives. The word translated misses here comes, um, can be translated also to mean fails to receive or to obtain, fails to experience. In order to have a fresh start in life, we must be able to experience the grace of God in our lives. And after that, we also need to trust God to help us succeed. You see, we can't reset our lives by ourselves. We need to depend on God to help us. We don't need to depend on ourselves. We've already proven that we can't do it on our own. That's why we failed in the first place. Some people, though, they just don't get it. They stumble and they fall and they get up and they say, oh, I'm just going to try harder. But the truth is, you can't change who you are. Only God can do that. And I'm not speaking about the outward man. I'm talking about the inner man, the real person, the hidden person of the heart. 
Success in the Christian life is not about trying harder, but about living smarter. And that means giving God control of your life. Zechariah 4.6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my power, says the Lord. When someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person on the inside. It's not the same person anymore. A new life is beginning. See, God specializes in new beginnings. Jesus has the power to do that. It's called being born again, the chance to start over. And if you're here, if you're listening, and if you've not yet made that decision, if you are not following Jesus, if he is not your Savior, you can make that choice today to accept him. He doesn't want to turn over a new leaf. He wants to give you a whole new life. And if you make that decision, that's the best decision you will ever make. You can start this new year with a new start and with a new life. And if you do make that decision, please let us know. We want to rejoice and journey with you and help you along the way. If you're online, you can just push the the button that says, I commit my life to Christ right now. For those of us who already made that decision, we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. This is a new year, and you too can have a new beginning. You too can have a fresh start. But do you want that? Do you want to have a reset? It's your choice. In order to have a fresh start, we need to do a reset. Refocus our priorities. Evaluate your life. Stop making excuses. Experience God's grace and trust God to help you succeed. That's how we reset. In a couple of moments, Pastor Orlando is coming to lead us in a time of communion. I want to encourage you to let this time of communion be a new beginning for you. And let it be a reminder of God's grace and why it's possible for us to even reset our lives in the first place. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for this past year, how you've been so faithful in our lives. God, we confess that we haven't always been the most faithful. So God, we ask that you would help us this year, this new year, to have our priorities straight, to focus on you, God, to stop making excuses for why we are the way we are and to put our trust in you to change us, to make us more like you. We want that life that you have for us. We want a new beginning, a new start. We want that new thing that you have for us this year. So God, just give us your strength and your power to help us. Um, as we look ahead into what 2022 has for us. God, I also think of all those who might be watching today or are here in person that need a special touch from you, physically, financially, emotionally, God. Pray that you would just minister to each person. Help us to have hope, God. Hope in who you are and what you can do in our lives. I just thank you and ask all of these things in Jesus' name.